1: Congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks, your 2021 NBA champions. Giannis Antetokounmpo, he did it. Chris Middleton, he did it. Drew Holiday, he did it. And heck, even Coach Bud, adding that beautiful Larry O'Brien Trophy to their legacies. So, happy for them. There's a lot of players on the Bucks who are first-time winners that deserve it and have had some difficult, twisting, winding, turning paths to get there. So, very happy for them. Of course, you have to give due to Monty Williams and the Young Sons. Chris Paul, Jay Crowder left everything out on the line. Just couldn't figure it out after those first couple wins. And, uh, lost four in a row, but that means only one thing though, Brian, is that next season draft time, summertime, summer league off season, all of that is ahead as we approach a new beginning in the NBA. And so, uh, yeah, this was, uh, it was fun, it was fun. I mean, we've been going for what, about six months, six, seven months, and uh, the culmination of our first NBA season uh, is over. And uh, we are here to talk about that and what lies ahead in the future.
0: And it's just so impressive what the Bucks were able to do. And I know some people along the way have gotten drowned out in this conversation about injuries and whatnot. But you look at this Bucks team, the pressure that was on them all season, you know, even the last couple of years, all the pressure that went on Giannis and then them going all in and getting Drew Holiday and the ups and downs that the regular season will bring you. And then the ups and downs that the postseason will bring you them continuing to fall behind in series, but keep coming back and keep figuring out as they win. It wasn't always pretty, but in the end it was effective and they were the last team standing and they are the NBA champions. And you have to give them all the credit in the world for that because you know, there was probably a lot of teams. I could have packed it in. There's a lot of teams. I probably could have had a lot of infighting. Um, but they persevered. They fought through it, they figured it out. And I think it also goes to show just the' so many finite details of winning a championship and how easy it is for things that can go wrong. And how many little things have to go right for you to win a title? And that's what makes championships so precious.
1: No question. I mean, I think that the one thing that's gone around is, what if Kevin Durant's toe was like an inch behind the perimeter? We're not talking about that. And, you know, it's not slanderous towards the Bucks. It just literally shows how much luck and how much, you know, things have to go your way. The right things have to, you know, be in place. Uh, you know, precious seconds, precious milliseconds uh, of moments that really kind of contribute to what it takes to win a championship. And that even goes for like, you know, those teams that, uh, you know, didn't build it organically and did, you know, kind of, you know, place the superstars together or whatever. It still takes a lot of work, even when that process is done. We saw that Uh, even with the
0: Nets because – You know, health has got to be a prevailing factor when it comes to these things.
1: Health, chemistry, all the above.
0: I mean, you want to talk about health. I mean, there's a lot of different teams that that can make an argument about that. There's definitely one in the East or one in the West that a lot of people thought were going to beat the Suns in the first round, but guess what? That did not happen, and the Suns moved on, and guess what? They steamrolled through everybody else in the West. And then in the East, there was a prohibitive favorite, but they got banged up. Even one of their guys did play through injury, but it still was not enough. You talk about the toe, there was that. I mean, um, Jonas could have easily, you know, put his head down and and sulked and and gotten really frustrated. He fought through it. This is a guy, too, that we thought got so injured he was going to be missing a good chunk of next year. We were so worried about it at the time. And instead, he only missed two games and came back to put up a historic run not just a normal run not just a superstar run a historic run statistically when it came to the nba finals and leading his team to a championship
1: after everybody in the world said that he couldn't do it (laughs) that's the best part that is the best part about all of it and he's he's relishing right now you can tell just in the press conferences i mean even if you listen to past you know uh podcast that we did I'd talk about how Giannis was just so fresh so so authentic so him and real in these press conferences throughout the finals and that hasn't changed now he is getting a little bit uh, of uh I guess some vindication and some uh some of the last laugh by you know what he's done since winning the championship and winning finals mvp uh, you know particularly when he's talking about he could have went to a super team, but he who super team but he decided to go and do it the hard way uh, and th- that's because he's stubborn and he wanted to show to himself that he could do it that way. and then you like wake up on uh, the morning of, of Wednesday uh, the day that we were recording this and he goes to a local chick-fil-a and orders a 50 piece nugget after he scored 50 points and pulled down 14 rebounds and had five blocks. And uh, that just goes again to show, uh, you know, that he is basically, he's, he's showing that it can be done. It can be done. And it doesn't, there's not one route to a championship. There's not, you know, a singular definition of, of what a great player can be. And I think that I mean, we're we're not even talking about what he's done on the court. This is just all from a mentality standpoint. And that's what I think is most impressive about what Milwaukee did was just show that mental resilience, uh, that that fortitude and that um, you know, that just resilience, uh, as I mentioned, that brought them to this point. They've had to deal with so much. Uh, just you're not even looking at this year, you're looking at years in the past. You, you know, you could look, look as recently as the bubble when, you know. Budenholzer's job was, you know, technically, you know, seen on the line on the outside. You look at, uh, you know, first round exit against the Heat. Uh, you know, they. You look at 2019 when they had a 2-0 lead in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, you know, you look back at when you know Middleton and Giannis just got together, uh, but it was it was Giannis and Jabari Parker that were the the duo. Uh, before Middleton came into his own once Parker had those injuries and you know it, it's just uh, different coaches um different circumstances. and I think that's what the journey's all about. and you just look at what they did uh in this playoff run and you know trailing every series except for the one against Miami where they got their revenge um and showing just that there's never give up. you you know, they kept punching back and you know, that's what champions are made of.
0: Do you think James Harden now regrets those comments from a few years ago that said, sure, you know, if anybody could just, you know, run and jump and, you know, uh, be as big as, uh, as him, he could be good.
1: I think he regrets it if he doesn't win a championship.
0: Exactly. I mean, th- those are things that are said in the heat of the moment. I And I jest about that. But, that, but these weren't comments that are just coming from James Harden. These are comments that came from a lot of other people. And, and that's why I think it's so impressive to see what Giannis did, you know, in the way that he has developed, because we can see the progress. We can see this freak of nature when it comes to athleticism, the size. I mean, they showed this graphic during game six of when he got drafted in the league and what he looks like now. And I mean, he hasn't grown three inches. No, it's like four or five inches. He's put on 60 pounds, most of that muscle. He has just developed into just this like alien you know, right in front of us. That's Like, if you were going to sculpt, like, the perfect basketball player, that, that's what he would look like almost. The only difference is, you know, people want to get on him because of the shooting and whatnot. But you know what? Even despite not being a good shooter, he figured it out. And then that's what you could see. You could, literally, as the playoffs went on, and especially during the finals, like, in game four, you could literally see, like, his brain moving almost, you know, and him figuring it out. And he just kept progressing from that point. And I think, too, when it comes to Giannis, there's, there's a couple of other storylines. Number one, in that his Q rating is as high as it's ever probably going to be because he's such a likable dude um, and has worked so hard at this. But on top of that, the storyline that goes with a guy that could have easily said, I put in my time here. I don't think that this mid market's ever going to go over the hump. And I'm not going to resign or even demand a trade, anything like that. He put pressure on ownership to do something more, which you should, you can, you definitely have that right as that player. And they did. And people can sit here and say, well, they overpaid for a drew holiday or whatever. No, like can't but do it anymore. What? That's the thing though. <laughs> you, when you win a championship, you do not have to apologize about that. You did not overpay. That's the same thing I will say about the Lakers. They won a championship with Anthony Davis. So they did not overpay. And it's such a great story from the standpoint of a guy having so many options, staying with the team. And I'm not saying it's for everybody and I'm not going to put anybody down that, that decides to go a different route, but for him to do that and to instantly win because he wanted to stick it out because he felt like he had something to prove and he wanted to reward a franchise that has been behind him so much. And I, and I do wonder because each situation can be unique. But if I'm looking at other franchises, especially like mid-market teams, do I look at the Milwaukee situation as an attenable situation from a standpoint that does this, you know, does Milwaukee winning a championship? And I understand there's a lot of luck and there's a lot of other things that go into it. And, you know, they were very fortunate to get Giannis. But does it give you a renewed sense of hope that obviously it takes time, but hope is not lost, that we can actually do it here.
1: I think so. And then I think that you look at the playoffs and you see some parody. I know that there's a lot of, you know, questions surrounding, you know, with the injuries and whatnot. But Brian, I actually like went back to one of my old articles on Basketball Insiders and I saw in 2019 that I wrote about like six or seven different injuries in that period of time. So I'm like, okay, so we go back to asterisk talk and I'm not going to get into this because then I'm just going to get fired up. And I don't want to get fired up today because I'm in a good mood. And, and you know, season's over and we're moving forward. Uh it, it's you know, one year best one year basketball news.com anniversary for myself. So I'm in a good mood. But if anybody tells you otherwise that the Bucks turn out champions, then they are wrong because they outlasted everybody else. They were the last team standing, and they were the ones who were able to find a way. You find a way, any way you can do it, you know, same thing that Toronto did. Lakers did it in the bubble last year. It's, it's, it's however you can get your hands on it. And, um, you know, the bucks did it successfully. And the, the thing is too, what what I like the most about these championships um, is seeing the people who did not get that chance before and are now considered champions. Um, you know, I look first and foremost, I think, uh, you know, outside of Giannis and Chris and Drew Holiday, who you know they've paid their dues and got there, but like I'm looking at people that have stuck through. Uh, you know, Coach Bud, uh, Coach Bud, and and Jeff Teague, particularly for me, because I remember covering them uh, in the East Finals, in the East Semis, uh, when they had not a shot in hell against LeBron James and those Cavs teams. Um, you know, I, I just know that they worked their asses off. And, uh, you know, despite whatever criticisms have come their way, uh, you know, stuck through it, went and got a championship. Look at P.J. Tucker. He mentioned how he was in Germany (laughs) and, uh, you know, back and forth from, uh, you know, the the international scene and, you know, bouncing around from team to team and stuck with it. Ended up a champion. Brooke Lopez, somebody who we thought was the next coming of whoever as an all star big man uh, in Brooklyn. And then, you know, he had his injuries and he was supposed to, uh, you know, have to adapt to the new age uh, NBA when he got healthy again. And it took him some time. You're very well aware he was with the Lakers and, you know, wasn't the the greatest shooter, but, you know, ended up finding a niche in Milwaukee and boom, NBA champion. Like it's those stories that I think uh, really speak to me uh, because of uh, the, the, There's another word for resilient that I'm thinking about. It's mentally tough. It is persistence. It is uh, keeping with it, sticking with it. And uh, they deserve it. Everybody on that team deserves it. And the best part, too, is that everybody on that team played a part. Everybody.
0: Even even in, you know, we talk about this game six. And, I mean, this is going to be possibly the game that defines Giannis's career and we say this even as early as we are into his career he's only 26 years old but when you put up a game like he did you know 50 points in a closeout game to win a championship this does not happen this is one of the greatest closeout games one of the greatest NBA final games of all time you you look up when it comes to stats like what he did, first ever 50-10-5 and the five being blocks, finals game. First person ever do that. First ever person to go 30-10-5 on 60% shooting in an NBA Finals. He's the first ever most improved player, league MVP, defensive player of the year, finals MVP this league has ever seen. He's only 26 years old. He's only 26. And he's smart as hell because he figured out this team... And they, everybody talked about like the wall is going to shut him down. And the first couple of games, it didn't shut him down, but there's obviously some frustrations, but he figured it out. We could sit here and we look at the way that he dominated games three and four. In game five, he put up big numbers, but he was struggling from the field. So what did he do? He got his teammates involved because that's one of the things that he improved on is just finding open guys. And that, that was a game that Drew Holiday dominated point wise. And then in game six, when everybody else on his team was struggling, he picked up the slack. But in the final moments, some other guys definitely did help. I mean, we could sit here and talk about Chris Middleton struggling, you know, shooting in game six. Who's the guy that hit the, the shot that iced that game? That was Middleton. Who was the guy that who was harassing Devin Booker to a seven for 22 night? You know, and he went 0 for 7 from the three-point line. That was Drew Holiday. And Drew Holiday made Devin Booker's finals a nightmare, basically. The way that he was hawking that dude. The way that he stripped the ball in that game five. Um, And he did it again in game six, multiple times. I mean, everybody contributed.
1: Who's the guy that went out and got the offensive rebounds? Pat Connaughton and P.J. Tucker. Who's the guy that? Uh, ignited an entire fan base and, and channeled energy uh, into production. That's Bobby Portis, you know, who's the guy who went scorched earth against Miami for an entire series, Bryn Forbes. You can go down the list. A lot of guys contributed and the any notion that it was just the big three is probably uh, very, very well sh- selling them short.
0: What a pickup for Bobby Portis, by the way, and what a moment for him, mm-hmm. um, especially even after, I mean, even when the team was struggling, and you know during that Game Six, and you know when Giannis was taking just a quick breather, Portis was able to hit shots, and um, he was able to consistently do that even through the series. And the emotion that guy had, and the way that that kind of wore off on his team as well, you saw the appreciation not only from his teammates but from those Milwaukee fans, especially when they were doing the presentation after the the victory, and the crowd was chanting for Bobby. That's what they want. I mean, Drew, all was talking, they're cheering for Bobby Portis, Bobby Portis, a guy who was not even with the team to begin the season. I mean, this is ridiculous.
1: What sports are all about, man. You know, you bring in, you bring in Bobby and he immediately just brings that energy and just that tenacity that uh, can only be echoed by the scrappiest players in, in history of, of the playoffs and become local legends. You know, uh, sometimes sometimes there there isn't someone as, as much as impactful as that. But uh, the majority of the time, I would say that local local legends earn their keep. And think that Bobby, if he comes back to Milwaukee, um, that uh, he could very well be in that that ilk uh, of uh, player. But uh, so, you know, Milwaukee wins. theirs. Um, you know, good for them. Very happy for them. Uh you know, be hard-pressed not to mention Monty Williams uh, and the Suns, you know, showing utmost class. Monty going into the opposing locker room as they're celebrating and telling them how much they earned it and made him a better coach. I don't think we've ever seen that happen before in an NBA Finals. Um, Monty is just first class with everything he's done. He is such a good mentor and coach you saw so many viral clips of him going around during the playoffs during the finals of him just encouraging his guys being stern but also being respectful and making sure a message gets through he's just so good at finding that balance you could tell how much it killed him not to be able to win in this moment but him his guys most of them that are inexperienced are going to learn from this experience and it's going to be it's going to be something that they're going to carry with them uh, forever until they do get back to that point. Because I firmly believe that some of those players, if not all those players, are going to be back at this stage. And when that time comes, almost like the Bucks when they lost you know, in their uh, Eastern Conference Finals, when they were up 2-0, almost like that, that these Suns' young players are going to just kind of use that as... Motivation, use it as a memory so that they don't feel that way ever again. And that right there is beneficial because you have to fail before you succeed. How many times do we have to say it? Most times you have to face adversity before you get to the mountaintop.
0: And we've seen that with Milwaukee, like you said. I mean, how Many times have we seen it with Chris Paul, unfortunately, and that's going to be a focal point from some people. He still played exceptionally well. He he was probably the, the Sun's best player in game six, you know. But you look at the bulk of that team and they're young pups when it comes to being in the league. We can sit here and talk about you know Booker and how he's taking a step forward. Aiden is taking a step forward. We see the promise in a guy like a Mikhail Bridges and uh, you know, campaign and uh you know the rest of that team, but you do have to go through adversity. It's not easy. It's not supposed to be easy. There's going to be bumps in the road. I mean, very rarely do we see a team just go from nothing to something. Even Michael Jordan went through this. The greats have gone through this. LeBron James has gone through this and that's what makes you appreciate it even more when you do get over that hump. And if you're able to, to get to the top of the mountain, you know, and you know, this is a Suns team that, like you said, I mean, there's, there's a lot of young talent on this team and I would expect them to stay together. And I mean, that's something we could talk about briefly, especially when it comes to one guy in that team. But I mean, you look at that roster and how it's constructed and I know the West is going to be very difficult, but this is a Suns team. That's really good. And I expect them to only get better because I expect them to get more depth. I expect them to, to make some more moves. And, uh, And I expect the guys that are there, especially when it comes to Booker and Aiden, they haven't reached their potential yet even. I mean, they they still got room to grow as individual players and as a team.
1: It's kind of ridiculous that we're even talking about that, too, because they're in their early 20s, man. Like, it's like, you know, we're so needy and immediate about these players that, like, you think that people would learn their lesson when they see who wins these championships and the types of players that win these championships. It's not somebody that if they don't have it done in the first three or four years, that calls it quits and says, okay, I'm never going to be a champion. If you had that mentality, if, if, if these players and these coaches had the mentality that half the people on Twitter had, they would be no, they'd be nowhere. They'd be out of the league. Like you have to, you have to see something through. You have to let things grow. You have to, Stick with it and quote unquote trust the process. It's just how it goes, guys. This is just the way things work, and not just in sport. This is in the world. You have to go through these things. You have to go through hard times and experience these difficulties in order to mature. And I think that that and being in the back of you know many of these players' minds of the Bucks, Giannis and Chris specifically mentioning. All those years and all that, that, that eight years that they've had together. Crazy to believe it. it's been eight, you know, seven, eight years with them. But the 20 something year olds are far from a pitch product. They're not even in their primes, guys. They're not even their prime yet. They're, they're years before their prime. Prime age is usually 27, 28, 29. Like these are 22, 23, 24, what have you that. Have already gotten to an NBA finals. Like, I feel like it's absurd how quickly and how kind of out of nowhere it can happen. But they're gonna benefit from it. It's just it, it's just natural. You I mean, you saw in game six where the inexperience came into play. You saw DeAndre Ayton after you know that foul trouble game just never seemed to have found it offensively. Now that coincided with what Chris Paul and his struggles had. But, you know, he just kind of reverted back to old habits. But that's probably because he's so young. I think he's in his fourth year. Like Aiden's 22 year? years third old. Third year, yeah. Like, Aiden exactly. 22.
0: He's a pup. I mean, yeah. it, Devin Booker's 24. Right. I mean, we were just like, remember, remember there was, I mean, and obviously we remember why there's so many questions about Aiden getting taking number one overall in the Luca draft and Trey Young and everything. He's only in his third year. In the third year, he changed so many minds of people because people went from, oh my God, it was obvious they screwed up this pick, to where by the end of the NBA finals, you're sitting there going, Okay, now I understand it. The gap is not as wide, and there's still so much more room for growth. He fits their team. He does, he's such a coachable guy. He has grown so much. Uh, and I think he he's hungry for it. You, you could tell that he's got the right mentality about, it. I mean, Devin Booker, you could tell he's got the right mentality about, it. you can't tell me Devin Booker is going to spend this whole off season working on three point shooting and his ball handling, because that's what he's going to do. I know he's in the Olympics right now. And I'm, <laughs> I'm sure that flight to Tokyo, if it's already happened, if they're on it right now, whatever, where he's on it with two guys that just beat him in the NBA finals, probably not the most fun ride in the world. Okay. If I'm him, uh, I told somebody else this today, I go, I go over, I congratulate them. And then I take a sleeping pill and I shut my eyes, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, that's all you can do. But I mean, you can't tell me that guy isn't a competitor of nothing where he's not going to learn from us. And that's what you do. You take these moments, and you learn from them. We saw it on the other side with Giannis. How many times do we have to sit there and how many times did he already have to go through, you know, tough times, you know, he went through enough adversity in these playoffs alone much less the, the prior two seasons. So, I mean, this season alone went with the expectations of the Bucks, And then on top of that, them having to overcome so many different things. And him personally, when it came to an injury that nobody can believe he, he played on.
1: And we're going to go through lather, rinse, repeat again. You know, like the, the now they're going to, you know, the hot take artists are going to turn it around and, and say, oh, they're not championship material, blah, blah, blah. Meh, whatever. I, I think that Devin the best thing he did was watch the championship celebration that was, was happening, and you just saw him say one word. Damn. Yep. And then he left and went back to the locker room. So that's gonna stick in his memory, guys. That's gonna stick in his memory. And the Suns will be better off from that. And like I said, Monty will be better off from this. He is gonna take this experience with him and You know, he would have won and lost with class. That's just who he is. And I think that that organization is in a great spot. Now,
0: by the way, Milwaukee's in a great spot, too, because I think they're only going to get better. They've got their quote-unquote big three guys.
1: But how can you win a championship with three max contracts, Giannis, Chris Mm -hmm. Middleton, and Drew Holiday? How would you do that?
0: But you've got ownership that is willing to You can never win a championship with those three. You know what? Now that they've won a title and now that people see how great it is to play with Giannis and what a guy he is there. When we talk about like some of these vet guys are ring chasing or whatever, they're going to get ring chasers. Now they're going to get some midseason pickups. That's just going to happen. They're going to get some guys, even for a mid level exception, they're going to be in play even more for those guys. Hopefully they don't screw it up like they uh, screwed up the Bogdanovich thing this past season. There was a little mix up there. I can only imagine how good they would have been if they had him. But regardless, they still won it all. And I, I think they're only going to get better.
1: How could you pay a second and third wheel max contracts? What are they thinking? The Bucks are such a terribly run organization. Oh, the receipts. Oh, the receipts. Respect Chris Middleton. Respect Drew Holiday.
0: Take apart their games all you want. You know what? They've got the hardware. They do. They, to the they do. And they're year. gonna have it
1: forever. That,
0: yes, you know exactly. what I said?
1: You know, you know what I said last night was, and I know this isn't, you know, this isn't just him because I just said to respect Chris Middleton and to respect Drew Holiday. But Giannis came out in game six, and I called that the ultimate you game. Mm-hmm. Like that was encapsulated in every single moment of of that performance. He had another twenty point third quarter. The blocks that he had at the top—I mean, there were a couple that were called goaltends that could have been blocks. There were, you know, defensively, it was just so good. But they, I, again, I don't want to get under the on-court stuff because we've done enough of that. But I mean, the first the,
0: half he had what seventeen yeah, but, points in the first half, and both teams were struggling. But I mean, the the beginning of this game was so—it was
1: turnover heavy. It was yeah. it was ugly. Everybody you know? was
0: tight. I mean, everybody was tight. I mean, we—it was tight for most of the game. But, you know, you got to that third quarter and even though Giannis had a, a good first half, he had a really good first half. He said, that's it. I, I'm taking this thing over because I he know did. the rest of my team, am so I'm, I'm going to take it. And they he- had no
1: answer. He had the he had some jump hooks going. He had the, the short pull-up going. He was the hitting fade.
0: the dirt shot. He, he the- hit 17 and 19 from the free throw line. Good God. Yep.
1: He did. He did. He was just in attack mode and they had no answer. They had no answer. And that's... That's just that's what a champion does. That's what a superstar does. And um, contrary to belief, Giannis Antetokounmpo was a superstar, and he's proven now. So everyone can shut their mouths. All right, moving on, Brian. I know there are some rumors that you wanted to talk about,
0: and we've got the NBA draft coming up in a week from now, next Thursday. We do. By the way, cheap plug, everybody can follow coverage on basketballnews.com for all the latest and greatest when it comes to our mock draft coverage. We're going to have live coverage on draft night as well, that I know you're going to be a big part of, um, along with Alex Kennedy and some of our other draft experts, including Matt Babcock. So we've got all of that, and everybody can uh, follow along for uh, everything going on with the NBA draft.
1: Yes, absolutely. Basketballnews.com slash draft. Matt Babcock has his latest one out from July 20th. So it is pretty damn up to date. Every profile is clickable and has analysis of games. Uh, Any articles that we've done on these prospects are right below. So, uh, yeah, you won't find any better coverage than us. Just saying. Uh, So, that rumor, though, before we get to the draft, um, you already have something in mind that you want to touch upon because this morning, there was a report from the undefeated's Mark Spears about the Lakers. Surprise, surprise guys. It's dress everybody up in a Lakers uniform and make a rumor that they want to go there and that the Lakers are interested. It's that season. It's that season, everybody. (laughs) So uh, come on down behind door. Number one, we have one Chris Paul who has a player option uh, with the Phoenix Suns, $44 million and behind door. Number two, we have Russell Westbrook, who is is uh, reportedly uh, a target of the Lakers in a sign and trade, and I'm sure that Brian will have more details on that. But two veteran point guards, who you know, who knows? Who knew? Uh, the Lakers won a veteran point guard, so they're going to go after the guy who was just in the finals, and then another one who hasn't been to a final since 2012. Well,
0: everybody talks about, like, oh, Chris Paul, his buddy LeBron – Maybe he can find a way to get on the Lakers. My response to that is um, there are plenty of supermodels in the world that I would like to get with. I don't think that's ever going to happen. And I just don't see a way that Chris Paul is going to find his way to the Lakers. I, I, you know, I want to see what, what Chris does. There's, I don't know exactly when it comes to, If he opts in and then extends because there's the 38-up and rule that's going to come into effect during that, I don't know what kind of money some teams are going to offer him because, you know, the Knicks are obviously going to be possibly involved in this as well. I mean, uh, because they're looking for a point guard, they could use, you know, veteran leadership like a Chris Paul. To me, it makes all the sense in the world, though, that Chris Paul stays in Phoenix. And everything that you heard out of his mouth in the post-game following Game 6 made it sound like he was staying in Phoenix. Now, the only thing I think that could stop that is if the Suns, in ownership, Robert Sarver, went ultra, ultra cheap. That's something they have done in the past, but I just don't see that happening right now. And I don't know what that means when it comes to can he opt out and then extend for 2 years or does he have to, or i mean does he pick up the option and then extend for 2 years i don't know if he could do that but regardless i could see them ripping up the contract or him not you know picking up the option but them going with a 3 year deal i don't know if they'd go 4 years maybe that's the price you have to pay and i don't know what the money would be i myself i would think a 3 year 100 million dollar deal for chris paul makes a lot of sense but um it does not make sense to me necessarily that Chris Paul would leave unless there was a, a financial uh, issue going on here, but for him to go to the Lakers, okay. I don't know how he would get traded there because you can't tell me that a team like Phoenix would then say it's a money issue. So we'll trade him to the Lakers for in a sign and trade with Dennis Schroeder, because you're still going to pay a lot of money. Maybe not as much, but there's still a lot of money that gets involved there. That does not make any sense. Would Chris opt out and sign with the Lakers for, you know, the mid-level exception for $9.5 million just because he wants a ring so bad? I don't know. That doesn't seem to make sense to me, but you never know. But it seems far-fetched. So I don't know what the pathway would be to get to L.A. When it comes to the whole Russ thing, I don't know if Russell Westbrook on the Lakers makes sense. I mean, do the Wizards really want Dennis Schroeder in a sign-in trade where they don't have to pay as much money, but they got to pay a good chunk? Even just to make a trade work? I mean, you know, the 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 rumor out of, uh, you know, that report that you mentioned included the Lakers giving up on Kuzma and Taylor Horton Tucker. I don't think they're going to trade THT, especially for somebody like a Russell Westbrook when they wouldn't give him up for Kyle Lowry last year. So there's a lot of ifs, ands, and buts that just don't make sense. And I don't even know how a a Russ-LeBron partnership would really work. So there's a lot of different things. And I'm not you know, saying that Mark Spears is totally wrong or anything like that. I'm not discrediting him because he's obviously very, very plugged in. I'm just looking at it from how would these even work? Why would some teams even want to do this? There's financial aspects to this. It just seems like there's, so many different steps that would have to be overcome and made. Um, And then even, you know, when it comes to some other things that people have talked about room for the Lakers, like in a sign and trade where they, another team would be signing a player and trading them to the Lakers. I don't see how that could ever happen too, because the Lakers would be hard capped and they'd have to cut about, you know, half of their team. So let's pace ourselves on this stuff.
1: And that's coming from a diehard Lakers fan folks. Nah, but with, with Chris Paul, the, here's here's the thing that, that I'm... The, the only pathway, I think, to the Lakers for Chris Paul is if he takes a pay cut, like you mentioned. Um, declines the player option and goes to the Lakers. But now you have to weigh in your mind if Chris Paul. Well, I just got to the finals. Uh, the guys around me are very talented and very young, uh, allowing me to be the best version of, of myself on the court. Uh, I just established chemistry with these guys. We accomplished some great things. I have an amazing relationship with Monty Williams. So I'm, I'm weighing that against. Okay. So I'm going to make 25 to $30 million less to be with the Lakers uh, play with, you know, one of my best friends. Um, but I'm also relied upon pretty heavily. I, That's, that's
0: There's tough. pros and cons. I mean, people, there, there's been some talk that, you know, Chris's family. There, the Suns aren't going to
1: trade him to to, yeah, to the, the, the Lakers. The trade there's, thing, there's no chance that's, in that's hell. not going to happen. No chance in no. hell.
0: I don't know what his mentality is when it comes to money. When he sits there and says, uh, I'm willing to take a, a, you know, a lot less more, uh, money to go play with the Lakers, to go play with LeBron, to do whatever. But I, I don't know what his mentality is with that. Most players are going to be like, you know, especially in somebody in his position where it's not like a, you know, sacrificing $5 million. It's not sacrificing a low amount, which some guys will, we've seen it happen time and time again. This is big, big, big money we're talking about as well. Plus, leaving a situation where he's the, the leader of a team. He is the one, he is the one big acquisition that they had last, you know, this past season that got him to this point of the NBA Finals. He was, so, was the missing piece. He was him the and Jay Crowder were the missing piece. He could be the missing piece in LA. I don't know. I just don't, I don't know how he would get there necessarily, unless, like I said, something financially fell apart in Phoenix where they said, We're not going to pay you. And he said, Screw it. Then I'll pack my bags and I'll go because I believe he lives in LA or he has family in LA. I think his wife is, you know, likes LA. I mean, who doesn't like LA? I mean, we hear this from half of the freaking league. So there's that. So I, I, I have a hard time believing that he will not be back in Phoenix. I don't think, I mean, people talk about the Knicks situation as well. I just do not see that one either. I think Phoenix makes overwhelming sense for Chris Paul.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I think so too. And I'm really curious to see what kind of deal he commands. Cause I, you know, you hear all the rumblings about him declining that, Huge player option, and you know, wanting a, a big meaty contract for two to three years. Would you so give that,
0: him a four year deal if that's what it took? A four year? If he says, "Okay, I I will walk this in right now," if you make it a four year, one hundred twenty million dollar deal, would you do it?
1: Top loaded. A top loaded deal, I think.
0: You want to top load it? I
1: don't and even pay know. That- pay him the most. Pay him the most earlier when he's playing. Okay. Front load. That's what I mean. Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, I don't even know if he could do that because of the 38-year-old the rule and whatnot. So there's some different mechanisms when it comes to that part that I'm not 100% certain on. But, I mean, you can't tell me Chris Paul can't get $30 million in this market. Of course. Anybody I mean,
1: that anybody needs to push that over, but I think that Phoenix will do everything in his damn power to do it.
0: <laughs> I, I would hope so. I would, I would hope that Robert Sarver has learned from lessons of the past where he has gone cheap. I mean, this is a guy that I believe at least one, maybe multiple occasions sold first round picks. So, um, I would hope he's learned his lessons. Say we got to open up the checkbook here a little bit. And I, I know it's going to get pricey here because you're already paying Booker, and you want, you got to keep paying CP three uh, bridges contracts going to be coming up. Aiden's contract coming up. So it's going to get costly, but you know, that's the price to pay. If you want to win a championship.
1: Yep. And I wanted to throw in my thoughts on the Russell Westbrook thing. So this one is a little more um, interesting to me because I don't know who's going to be off ball. I don't know if Russ is going to have a ball, the hands, you know, ball in the hands, uh, oh, hands with the ball have the ball in his hands more (laughs) than LeBron or if LeBron's going to have the ball in his hands more with Russ playing off ball. So I'm, I'd be genuinely curious about that fit for that reason. Uh, We know that the Lakers have had their shooting problems and this wouldn't help that one bit. Right. Uh, Rim pressure wise, it would. Uh, I think Russ finding, you know, AD on high handoffs would be great. I think getting, you know, off the ball and cuts and all, all that stuff to have less pressure creating shots, but it would also take uh, a number of uh, a, a good deal of adjustment from Russ's side being so, uh, you know, having the ball in his hands and and, and really kind of putting pressure on the rim uh, to be, you know, uh, seen as a third wheel. I think that would be uh, really tough on, on Russ.
0: Right. And, and I just look at it too. Like you said, like, I don't, I don't know where the fit would be because of the shooting. I would think that if the Lakers are going to sign and trade Dennis Schroeder, that they would almost have to get multiple pieces for him from whatever team would be interested just because of they have a depth thing that's going on there and they need shooters. But uh, there's so many different questions that go into all of this thing. And when it comes to like, who would be the ball handler on that team? There was a report out recently that more or less said the Lakers want to adjust their roster to where LeBron's playing more of the four and AD's playing more of the five. So does that mean that Anthony Davis has finally said to hell with it? Like I will take on the role of the five more during the regular season. Like you'll do it in the playoffs, but during the regular season, he's always kind of been like, Hey, I'd prefer it if we had some more bigs and take that punishment. So that way I didn't have to take that all season, but maybe, Maybe he's changed his mind about that. Maybe he sees how effective it is with him at the five and that can unlock some different things. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see.
1: We shall. There's one more point guard that's been linked to the Lakers, but linked to like six other teams as well. One that is visibly, I guess you could say visibly frustrated and a little bit, Uh, downtrodden about his current situation. And that is one Damian Lillard. I know that you kind of touched upon that last week's episode, but just to refresh everybody's memory, you say that there's no chance in hell that the Lakers could Damian Lillard. Correct. Uh, Why would you say that?
0: I don't see a path where the Lakers have enough to offer because they not only have to match salary, but you have to put in a lot more and the Lakers just don't have the picks. Even if they did have their picks, their picks would stink um, because they're always going to be late picks. Um, they just don't have enough assets. And I don't care if that's a sign-and-trade Dennis Schroeder and THT and Kuzma and whatever else. It's just not enough. There's there's a lot of other teams that can offer a hell
1: of a lot more than what the Lakers can offer. So, Damian Lillard, uh, apparently, according to Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer, uh, Teams that have checked in on him are the Miami Heat, Sacramento Kings, New York Knicks, Houston Rockets, and Philadelphia 76ers. And the Kias Duncan, Duncan, uh, always a very, very talented writer of ours at basketballnews.com, did a column uh, on who should be going after Damian Lillard and who would provide the best packages for Damian Lillard. So make sure to check that out on basketballnews.com because uh, it was very comprehensive and uh, full of different destinations nations uh, that he thinks would fit very well. So, uh, check that out. Those are pretty much the juiciest rumors we have out there right now. Can I when uh, it comes to Lillard,
0: um, can I tell you the team that I think that makes the most sense to me that would be Is it a, Philly? No.
1: The,
0: oh. the, the te- there's a team to me that seems like it would be a great fit that I think has the assets to do it and has been known to be aggressive when it comes to getting itself over the top. And that's the Toronto Raptors. And I would think that the Raptors have the juice to get it done. I mean, they do have the fourth overall pick in this draft. They have their other draft picks. They could throw in, you know, another piece like a Pascal Siakam. I don't know how attractive that would be to Portland, but I mean, they have some different things that when I equate that to other teams, um, could be very attractive, especially when it comes to that high of a draft pick and a player because I don't know what they're thinking when it comes to Lowry, if they want to bring him back or not. I don't know how much money he's going to be able to get on the open market. I think the Knicks are going to be aggressive in going after him. Um, I think the Heat are going to be very aggressive, and I think that's where he's going to end up is in Miami. But um, there's already been a lot of talk about, like, you know, the Raptors would be drafting to get a point guard, um, like Jalen Suggs with that fourth overall pick, and that would go into the, the Lowry spot. So – we see how much talent Toronto has, you know, already. And we think they're close. So I do wonder if they would go all in and say, let's just get Dame Willard here.
1: Very well. Very well. I don't know how this shakes out. I don't think it ends up like a hardened situation last year where he publicly comes out and says that I can't do this anymore. <laughs> like, right. I don't I- think it ends up that bad, but um, I, if, if Neil olshi continues to sit on the same, you know, th- frame of mind, um, then it's probably going to be a situation that ends up being severed.
0: But doesn't it make sense? And, it, and I'm not trying to push Dame out the door because I love him in Portland. And I think obviously the fans there love him as well. But when you look at all the different factors, including how low the West is, how Portland has not been able to make any headway, you know, over the last, you know, five, six, seven years or whatever, Um, you know, getting knocked out in the first round regularly, even the year they made it to the Western Conference Finals, they got swept. So, and I, and I look at all the different factors and I sit there going, is there like one or two things I can do to put me over the top right now? I don't know where that is. I don't know what the deal is that can make that happen. So do you have to have that hard conversation and saying, I know this is our guy, but considering where we are and where this conference is, do we need to make the tough decision to sell high when Lourdes' value is as high as it's going to be, especially as he begins this four-year supermax contract that's going to be paying him over $50 million a year a couple years?
1: Yep. I I think that there are two spots that Nikias mentioned that I just want to bring up just to see what your thoughts are. Uh, One is within division and that is the Denver nuggets because they have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter jr. Um, I don't know what the, you know, the the money situation looks like per se, but, uh, I think that would be in in a little bit of an intrigue. Um, I think that the Celtics is an interesting one too, because they have Jalen Brown. Um, the, then the Knicks, they, uh, Tommy beer did an awesome article on why they should go all in. Um, and Nick has here that a, uh, a package that has, you know, some pick swaps, uh, RJ Barrett, Emmanuel quickly, uh, OB top in even throw in Kevin Knox. If you want them could be enough. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting to kind of mull these over. And I hate, I hate, uh, you know, when, you know, someone that's drafted by a team, you know, reaches that point. But at the same time, this is kind of like AD, you know, it's been a a pretty long time, you know, since, since Dame's been in Portland and he's stuck with it. And, you know, I would rather see him stick it out and see uh, that organization, give him a little bit more of of a boost, but uh, you know, hopefully realism doesn't settle in. We'll see. We'll see.
0: I don't think the Knicks have enough. I don't know what they can mm. offer that would put them over the top. That would be attractive for Portland. Maybe there's a third team that can be involved. And like I said, I don't, I don't know what Neil O'Shea and that organization looks at different players, how they value everybody. But I, I don't look at the Knicks as being a real realistic situation just because of the draft picks they have, where they're going to be different things like that. Um, you know, you mentioned Philly. Philly, maybe. I mean, it depends on what they look at when it comes to Ben Simmons and different things like that. When it comes to the Nuggets, I mean, it's nothing. Jamal Murray is such a talented guy, but, I mean, he's going to be missing most of next season. And, you know, when he's developed such a great um, chemistry and relationship, you know, with Jokic, that if if I'm sitting there, if I'm Portland, I'm like, all right, here's the deal then. It's Murray and it's Michael Porter Jr. And Denver will not do that.
1: All right, Brian, let's play a little game uh, before we get to uh, just a teeny bit of draft talk. So Tommy Beer did his top 10 players on the market free agent rankings. So I'm going to give you these, okay? And I'm going to give you the the, the details surrounding uh, their contract. And then I'm going to have you pick a team for mm. each of them. How about you that? You
0: better be picking a team too. <laughs>
1: okay. All right. So uh, top free agent on the market if he declines his player option is Kawhi Leonard. That's a $36 million player option for the 21-22 season, or else he becomes an unrestricted free agent.
0: Kawhi Leonard will stay with the Clippers.
1: I am going to say the same thing, especially with the partially torn ACL. Um, I don't know if they renegotiate a contract or if he takes the player option, because you, they're, the, the, the offseason of 2022 is going to be ridiculous. Um, well, I think he might we'll though
0: because if I, if I, if my memory serves me correctly, I don't think he wants a long-term. I think he would do a one-in-one or just if he did something else, because, um, he's only one year away from that big supermax from hitting the 10 years. So yep. I, I think he'll either opt in or he will do a one-in-one.
1: Yep. It can be $235 million over five years. Uh, if he could decline that next summer, if the if he signed a two year eighty point six million dollar contract and have a player option for the second year, that's what that would allow him to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, like I said, I think he's you know sticks with the Clips uh, regardless of how it goes. So uh, number two, Chris Paul, Phoenix Suns player option. We did discuss this, but I would like to hear what your actual thoughts are on what happens. I think that he declines the option and somehow ends up in in Phoenix back on a little longer term deal.
0: I agree. I I, I threw out the number three years, a hundred million. If they, if that deal is doable under NBA rules, that makes a lot of sense to me, something in that ballpark. But I, I think he stays with Phoenix and he finds a way to get locked up for a couple of years.
1: Okay. We're going to move on to number three, but first I'm going to have to look up who's got cap space. Cause that's pretty important. I would say. Mm -hmm. Uh, and who can obviously go after these players, but uh, very important as well. So let's see here. Maybe we can help this out.
0: I am looking as well.
1: Okay. I have split rack uh, turned up here. Yes. So let's go to this.
0: Grizzlies have the most projected cap
1: space. How about that? um Kyle Lowry unrestricted free agent hmm
0: am I right in saying that they have the most cap space maybe I'm, I'm wrong maybe I'm looking at this wrong regardless I think that Kyle Lowry is going to end up with the Miami Heat I think that okay he's a guy that they are definitely going to pursue I don't know if Dragic is going to be back there um in fact, if you want to talk about Drogic, I could see him ending up uh, with the Dallas
1: Mavericks. Oh, look at that! Caesar so giving us a two for one special. Two for one. So Miami would absolutely be a great landing spot for him. I think that the uh, I, I don't know, you know, the terms of of how much you know cap space they have. If he'd be willing to take a non taxpayers mid level exception or what he'd they have, be demanding. Uh,
0: They have projected $20 million. So the Knicks have the most space in about 51 million. Spurs at about 49. Thunder have almost, you know, 37 and a half. But you go down to the Heat, they have uh, about 20.4 mil. Okay. And they could
1: make some more space, I'm sure. Would you see the Mavericks as a landing destination?
0: Uh, I could. I mean, it makes a lot of sense that they would go after him, I think.
1: Now, I just think that's an interesting, but I mean, the
0: the ball handling there. So, I mean, maybe you want a little bit more of a of a scoring shooting point guard. Not that Kyle can't do that, but he's just having the ball a little bit more.
1: Okay, Fair enough. I think that that duo could be interesting. Those Mm -hmm. two. So we've got next John Collins, who is a restricted free agent from the Atlanta Hawks.
0: I think Atlanta is going to sign him. I think, you know, it's hopefully they've learned the, the, uh, the lessons of other teams that have not done that. Even if you're not going to keep a guy and to uh, move him later, but I think they're going to re-sign him. And if he gets moved, maybe that won't happen until the season is already underway, but I'm going to say he stays with the Hawks.
1: Okay. Uh, I think that, the Mavericks could also throw him a, a big offer. I yeah. think that's another one that uh, makes sense. But the
0: Hawks have to match no matter what. I mean, if they're really thinking at this like an asset. If they want to move them later, fine. But I, if they make the mistake of not matching, uh, that that could be a problem.
1: Okay. Okay. Find a way for him to get over maybe to the Bulls or something. It's another one I was thinking
0: I know about. the Thunder are um, a rebuilding, but... Considering that John Collins or how young he is, would he make sense there?
1: If he wants to, if he get paid and, you know, he's on that trajectory, that timeline, then sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mike Conley, unrestricted.
0: See, so I, I don't know how much money he's going to cost, though. And that's what I think what this is going to come down to is.
1: He had cost. a hell of a playoff before he got hurt.
0: He did, you know. Utah is a team that traditionally likes to stand pat. I do wonder if they would try to do something big to shake it up. There's already been some rumors that maybe they would. Maybe they would be opening, open to moving a couple players, but um they do have new ownership there who seems willing to spend money. So Conley what what is he worth on the open market though? 10 million? 15 million? More than
1: that. You think more than that worth? in in this class more than that? Really? Yeah. yeah. According to Tony Jones, the athletic, by the way, they're the Jazz are going to try to bring Conley back to Utah. So yes, I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to stick with him.
0: I, I w- I'm going to stick with it too. I, I would throw the Knicks out as a team that's definitely going to sniff around, I think, on Conley because they want another point guard. And you start looking at who's going to be available. If if you start seeing Chris Paul stay in Phoenix, you see Cal Lowry go someplace else, then where else are you looking for point guard?
1: His old backcourt buddy, DeMar DeRozan, unrestricted. I
0: I can't wait to see what the market value is for DeMar. I can't wait. You know what the weird thing is? Would he
1: be willing to take a pay cut?
0: That's the guy I wonder about because he's been linked with the Lakers for so many years, it feels like. And I don't know what other teams would want to pay him. You know what the weird thing is? Is that so many people seem to have devalued DeMar DeRozan because of his game. But yet, he basically has the same game as Devin Booker.
1: Dude, look at his assist rate from, like, literally the last year he was in Toronto until now. It's it's extrapolated. It looks great. He's getting other guys involved. Uh, you know, still the mid, one of the mid-range kings. Uh, somebody who's able to put pressure on the rim, get to the line. Um, you know, defensively, obviously, there's some, you know, concerns there, especially because he's getting older. Uh, but he's absolutely somebody that brings 110%. Um, another guy that I think uh, is a little underappreciated. If there's somebody that I think that fits with with him, uh, it's almost, uh, you know, it's, it's it's hard to see him taking him, you know, mid-level. He's not going to take a mid-level. Um,
0: Would the Charlotte Hornets but, make sense for him?
1: No, because Gordon Hayward does the same things. Yeah. That's because that was my thought initially, but who, who that he, you know, he could go to, I think would make a lot of sense is, you know, a Boston Celtics or a Memphis Grizzlies, like Mm -hmm. the Grizzly, Well, the Celtics, you saw how much they were hurt without Hayward. And essentially, you know, they are very similar uh, in their games. I think Um, the Grizzlies, Meanwhile, they, you know, they're organically growing and whatnot, Um, but we're going to see, you know, uh, definitely a uh, urgency for that group to add around and uh, obviously get healthy and stuff. But uh, But that one, that one, that one piqued my interest a little bit.
0: Well, I mean, DeRozan's been linked with the Lakers for so long and I don't know what the money would be, but it's like. I don't know how smart of a sign that would be for the Lakers. And from the standpoint, like, okay, it's a veteran guy. I think he fit in really well. He'd understand his role. All those things. But is he what they need? Because they need, first and foremost, and everything else in between, uh, they need shooting. Yeah. And I don't know if DeMar is a – they need three-point shooting.
1: Three-point. I was going to say, say three-point shooting. Don't say shooting. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Three-point shooting. And – you know, that that's not exactly, you know, his specialty.
1: Okay, on to number seven. Jarrett Allen, restricted free agent. He's not going anywhere. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> I think is. I have that on I think I have that on pretty good authority. And then unless, you know, he's offered this colossal, you know, 25 to 30 million dollars where the Cavs would say, you know, we can't do that. Uh, that he'll be back in Cleveland. They brought him there for a reason, uh, traded for him for a reason. Uh, But other fits that I think he would have, I think Charlotte would be a a really good fit for him. Um, You know, I think that he would fit really well on a a team like the Spurs. I think he would be, you know, a really solid uh, asset for someone like the Mavericks who've had a revolving door at the position. Um, there's, There's a lot of good fits for Jared Allen. Um, but again, I I'm with you. I think that he's not going anywhere. So that one, that, that's a quick, a uh, quick topic there. Here's one that, that always, uh, is fun to talk about Lonzo ball restricted.
0: There's so many places. I think that he would be a good fit, but no, those teams don't have the money and I don't know where they find the money to get him because he's been linked so many times with the Clippers. He's been linked with the Lakers. He's been linked with the Bulls. And none of those teams have the money. And this is another situation where I know people haven't talked about him staying in New Orleans, but it would be foolish for them to not at least sign and trade him, much less not even keep him. And, And remember, he had good chemistry, you know, on that team, you know, so everybody seems so quick to shove him out the door, but, I just tend to think that he's going to stay. I don't I don't see the fit monetarily um, right now somewhere else.
1: What's he commanding, like 16 to 18? Oh, he's going to get more than
0: that. More? Okay. I think he's going to get 20 to 23.
1: All right. Okay. We will see. I mean, that, that's another uh, yeah, one that see. I don't
0: know what the timetable is, but could OKC maybe get involved there? I don't know. I mean, Lonzo's not that old, but... Do you think he would fit well in that backcourt? I, mm, I don't know. That's tough. I mean, yeah. and that, and that's maybe that's a place where if the Heat don't land another point guard, maybe maybe Lonzo Ball would be a nice addition in Miami.
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely he definitely fits that mold just defensively and mm-hmm. as a you know real real like a gnat <laughs> like a gnat in somebody's face. Uh, we kind of touched this one. Earlier, but Dennis Schroeder unrestricted.
0: The Lakers are going to re sign him. The question is a part of a sign and trade or not. Um, all signs seem to be pointing that that is going to happen, or there's more and more buzz about that, shall we say? Um, I could see him staying there and him getting moved at a later date or at least seeing how the season goes with them. Cause remember there was a point in the season where the Lakers are what, like 27 and eight or something, some ridiculous like that. I mean, they had, they had the second best record in the West and they were really doing well. And, you know, Schroeder was a big part of that. Um, I don't know if they just merely want to move on from that, but if they do sign and trade him to me, the team that would be on the other end of that would be the Knicks.
1: It's tough. Tough call. We will see.
0: I mean, the Lakers would more or less be they would not be matching salary because the Knicks do have so much cap space. And it would be a situation where the Lakers would just be creating a huge trade exception to use at some date, you know.
1: Yeah. That's
0: maybe they can trade for the Celtics trade exception. <laughs>
1: just trading exceptions for exceptions. why not? Good times. Uh rounding out the top 10. Duncan Robinson, a restricted free agent.
0: Everybody should be interested in him. Everybody should.
1: Including your Lakers. <laughs>
0: I, I'm sure they would love to. Um, I think I once told a friend of mine I would give up a um, an important body part uh, to have Duncan Robinson on the team. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Miami should re-sign him. Uh, I don't know why they wouldn't, unless the the price tag gets that ridiculous.
1: If I'm thinking some, 13 to 16 for him, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I know that Tommy and the Oracle put five years and 80 million. That that seems to make a lot of sense. Um, but if some team just says, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna give him 20," I just don't know what team that would be. Um, because I don't think the Spurs would the Spurs do that. Would the Mavericks do that?
1: Who knows? I mean, it's so difficult about free agency. <laughs> it,
0: it is. It is. You know, that's, I think the Mavericks are looking for some other things. Like if they can't, I think would a point guard for them would make a lot of sense. John Collins would make a lot of sense for them, but there's going to be some point where they start looking to spend their money elsewhere. And I'm not saying they're like, Oh, we got to go get a big price tag kind of guy, but I mean, a Duncan Robinson can fit on any team in today's
1: NBA. Sure. Can. Best of the rest, and I'm just gonna you know list these off that uh, Tommy ranked, and you can you know point out a couple, point out one, whatever you want to do. But just want to show the love to the rest of the free agents here. Uh, actually, just declined his player option, Norman Powell, so he will be an unrestricted free agent. Uh, Lowry Markkinen, who is a restricted free agent, Rashawn Holmes, Andre Drummond, Tim Hardaway Jr., Spencer Dinwiddie who I don't think has done anything with his player option yet. We'll see. Uh, Kelly Oubre, Gary Trent Jr., who is restricted. Devontae Graham, who is restricted. Evan Fournier. Goran Dragic, who uh, the Heat have a team option on. Montrez Harrell, who has a player option. Josh Richardson, who has a player option. Uh, Taylon Horton Tucker, who is a restricted free agent. Very unique case, by the way. For someone as young as him, Serge Ibaka with a player option, Will Barton who just declined his player option, he will be an unrestricted free agent, and then Kendrick Nunn who is a restricted free agent.
0: Well, I don't think Nunn's going anywhere. I don't think Ibaka, Taylor Horton Tucker, they're not going anywhere.
1: Um, I'm what? so curious about Spencer Dinwiddie. I want to see where the hell he ends up.
0: Didn't didn't he do? <laughs> didn't he do an interview where he? Uh with Howard Beck. And he basically said, Hey, if the, the Nets want to give me a five year, $125 million deal, then I'd be happy to resign. I'm like, of course you would. <laughs> Gotta love
1: public bartering, man. <laughs>
0: that, that's awesome. 25 mil. sure. Who's going to turn that down? Come on, man. But yeah, I I think it'd be very interesting because it's not only when it comes to the health of the talent, um, what position do you see him playing? Um, because he can play multiple positions. You know, how does he fit on your team? He, he would definitely be a very, very interesting guy. Now, Laurie marketing is very interesting to me too, because of a guy that can shoot at well at that size, just can he stay in the court? Do they, do the bulls want to pay big money considering how much money they're already spending on some different guys. They've got Vooch now. Um, they put their
1: Patrick Williams is in the fold now and you know, right. he's probably going to be playing small ball four. I would assume. Yeah.
0: And Zach Levine's got his contract coming up here in another year, I believe. So there's some questions there. Um, I don't know what he would get on the open market, but marketing has always been a guy that has intrigued me. Um, I was going to say Mantras Harrell just from the standpoint that people would think like, well, he's going to leave the Lakers. I wonder if he would exercise his player option though, because I don't know what kind of money he's going to get on the open market. And it might just be like, I'll take that nine mil. And then they can just move me. And I will try to, you know, use this coming year to prove my, my value.
1: I'm looking at Tim Hardaway Jr. As somebody who made himself a ton of money in the postseason, we'll see mm-hmm. what teams are looking to pony up for him. Uh, I'm looking at, you know, and he's not, he wasn't on the list, but uh, Reggie Jackson, I'm looking at how much teams are going to pony up for Reggie Jackson. Um, a lot. For me, uh, I'm really curious to see what happens with Andre Drummond. Because I, I had this discussion with somebody When you become a buyout guy, is it going to affect what you make in free agency? Because if he was looking for that max or whatever he was talking about, uh, however many dollars that he was expecting, once you're bought out, there's just kind of this stigma attached to you. Um, Because buyouts used to be for guys that were tail end of your career, uh, you know, mid late 30s looking to ring chase. Now, buyouts have become so popular and such an easy route um, for relationships that, you know, either go the other way or mutually agree to go the other way. And it's happening with younger guys. Andre Drummond's like 27, 28 years old, guys. Like, so I'm curious to see now that he's been bought out by somebody if that affects what he makes in the future.
0: Andre and if he has
1: to re-re-earn that reputation in order to make a bigger deal again.
0: Yeah. He will be 28 on August 10th. Um yeah, I mean for all the needs that the Lakers have, you know, and they've already got Anthony Davis. There's already talked like I said about him playing the five a little bit more. If the Lakers use, because they're so pigeonholed when it comes to their uh, their cap right now, I just don't think they would use, like, their mid-level exceptions got to be their most valuable thing right now. And I can't imagine them using that whole thing on Andre Drummond. And that's the only way they can keep him without giving him, uh, unless they give him the minimum. He's yeah. not a fit there.
1: It's interesting.
0: I mean, he can sit here and he can troll everybody all he wants, and says, "Oh, I'm just having fun with you." Even though he, you know, he's putting down the team or whatever, and he, you know, whatever games he wants to play or whatever. But it's not a good fit there, and I don't think another team is going to pay big money for him. Maybe somebody would pay five. Somebody wants to pay nine, go for it. I just don't know if that's going to happen. But I think that this is a situation where he's going to have to go someplace and kind of, you know, grin and bear it a little bit. He's going to have to prove that reputation of being a good locker room guy that's going to go out there that's going to hustle that's going to do the right things.
1: I agree. I agree and I think that he can do it. It's just that I think that the whole buyout situation might have done worse for him uh coming in this offseason instead of, you know, kind of just hurt him. dealing hurt him a with it, lot. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh so that was free agency. Uh we mentioned briefly the draft. Uh that's coming up on July 29th. Um Quick thoughts on the draft before we get out of here. Uh, By the way, big surprise. The Pistons worked out Cade Cunningham. (laughs) Big surprise. Big surprise. That's definitely news.
0: (laughs) I I think when it comes to the draft, the the biggest thing that we look at is, you know, for so long, you know, Mobley has been seen as the number two guy in this draft. And there's some rumblings that maybe Houston is looking elsewhere, looking at Jalen Green and i think that's kind of this linchpin to the draft is seeing like what, what happens
1: teams, at 2 and what happens at 3 right
0: yep. and how aggressive are teams going to be if they want to move up i think that's going to be the other thing i because i do think there's maybe some teams out wouldn't mind moving down it's just you have to find you know a dance partner for that you know so well, what teams are going to do that i mean but that that number 2 spot in looking at green and looking at mobley i think is going to be Very, very interesting. And, you know, if I'm Houston, I don't know how I pass up on an Evan Mobley. I don't think at that position and everything that they need, you can just look at fit because I know they have Christian Wood. I just say I'm going to take the most talented guy. And if they think that's Jalen Green, then then good for you. You know, um, it's going to be fascinating to see how that all plays out. Like I said, like who's going to make moves? There's been a lot of talk about moves happening that doesn't you know we hear about you know potential moves every year but will this be the outlier year where different things do actually happen i don't know <laughs> um i i think orlando would be a team that wouldn't mind moving one of those picks um i think golden state would be open to moving one of those picks definitely you know i think toronto has some things up their sleeve that they can definitely do it number 4 if they want to stay or if they want to move because like I believe, I, I think they're they're closer than some other teams. And maybe that would be um using that pick along with other pieces to get another instant impact guy.
1: I think you're right on the Warriors. I, I don't see them using either pick. I mean, you know where they're coming from. You got Clay coming back. Steph isn't getting any younger. Still have Draymond. I mean, the the core of that team's still together. They have James Wiseman, who apparently some teams are interested in, as they should be. Um, and you can package that together with seven and 14 and probably get yourself a pretty nice, pretty nice return. Uh, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, two and three. I'm looking at this and I'm really interested to see how the board shakes out. I'm really interested to see how the board shakes out. Well,
0: look at how like a guy like uh, James booknight is already, you know, how he's moved up the draft already. We haven't the mm-hmm. numbers six on ours. I think Jonathan Kaminga is a guy that's, on. Um, you know, our mock draft board is fallen to eight. And I mm-hmm. wonder if he could fall maybe a little bit lower than that because there are some different question marks about him, you know, Scotty Barnes coming in. I think a lot of teams value him, especially defensively, you know, going to have to improve shooting wise, but on defense, he's already, you know, looks like a guy that can make an impact.
1: Versatility is um, everything.
0: Yeah. You know, um, Davion Mitchell, I think people look at him as a guy that can instantly contribute as well um, and can fit in a lot of different places. So, and maybe he'll move up a little bit more. So is there anybody right now that's maybe around 20 in that 15 to 20 range that you think could move up to maybe they're like high teens?
1: Move up from yes. that 15 to 20?
0: Yeah. And is there somebody you think that could move down? Who do, who do you think um, would be the biggest riser and biggest faller?
1: Okay, okay. Uh, I think that Davion Mitchell could actually fall um, just based on, uh, and it's not fair to him, but, uh, you know, his size. Uh, and that's something that a lot of teams look for. He's obviously more built muscularly, but height-wise, uh, somebody that teams can probably try and, you know, take advantage of in the post and, and, and try to get mismatches on. Um, so that would be my, my faller. And this is just all speculation, by the way. <laughs> um, and my riser, uh, that's an interesting question. Um, I have a real affinity, uh, for, uh, Sharif Cooper of Auburn. I just think he's one of those go-getters. Um, he is somebody who just has that really aggressive mindset, uh, that can, that can really come through, uh, especially on the offensive end, just from from a toughness standpoint, um, I, I think that that would probably be my my follower and riser would be Davion and, and Sharif, uh, both you know smaller guards too. You know I I really like the 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 wings in this draft a lot. Uh, there's so much size out there uh, that guys uh, can make an impact right away, uh, just because they're built to to be pros. And, um, I think that, uh, that, that can serve very, very high for them. Um, some other guys that kind of stand out to me, I uh, really like Nashawn Highland, uh, his names boosted up the board ever since the combine, um, Derek Murray for us was able to get a behind the scenes look on him. So make sure to check that out on basketballnews.com. Chris Duarte, uh, a guy that didn't attend the combine and is older, but, uh, you know, has quote unquote, the highest floor. Um, you know, there's, there's a, ton a promise of, though. Of those he,
0: he has some kind of a promise because he's going to be in the green room. I'm sure.
1: Yeah. No. And if he's in the green room, then sure. <laughs> yeah. It would suck to be in the green room and not not get picked in the lottery, right?
0: Yeah. So um, I think he's got but, some kind of a
1: promise. Yeah, we'll see. We will see. But no, yeah that that who's who's your uh, risers and fallers? Uh, I mean, I. You said that Kuminga was probably going to fall. In I think Kuminga
0: is going to fall even further. Is, t- is
1: it just the raw? Is it just the raw talent? Yeah. It,
0: it, it's he's just too raw. I mean, I I know he keeps getting, you know, associated with Orlando. Orlando has too many guys like that already, you know, and if they really want to say, Hey, we're a little bit different with our front office and everything right now. I don't think they could take another guy like that. You know, I know they have two picks, but I, I just can't see them doing that there. Um, yeah. That one, that one would be very tough for me. Um, so I, I think he could fall a little bit further. I do wonder, you know, we've already seen book night move up. Barnes is in a good spot right now. Maybe uh, friends Wagner could move up a little bit more. I mean, he's already at nine on a projected board, but I could see him maybe coming up a little bit more. Um, it. We'll see how this all goes. It's, it's going to be very curious to see how some of this is because we've talked about how, you know, heavy, you know, top heavy, this draft is, but I think overall it's a very deep draft as well. And it's kind of like you're nitpicking on different things Mm -hmm. when it comes to stuff like, like a guy's in the
1: second round could have been in the, you know, first round and a year or two before that. I I, I think think that's nice.
0: Yeah. I think a guy like a Trey Murphy, you know, intrigues some guys as well that I wonder about, you know, with his size, um, maybe he can move up a little bit as well. So,
1: Trey Murphy did an interview with him, by the way, if you want to check that out on basketballnews.com. We've got so many of them. Um, but before before uh, you know, I move on, I did want to say, if Josh Giddy ends up over with the Spurs, I'd be very excited because it's very Spursian uh, to have an international prospect of that that caliber uh, come into to play. And he just seems like he grew so much. Uh, as a player over the last year. And I'll actually be talking to Chris Ebersole, who is part of the Basketball Without Borders program and uh, Director of Basketball Operations internationally about Josh Giddy, particularly, uh, for an article later this week. So uh, make sure you stay tuned for that. And make sure you stay tuned and locked into basketballnews.com over the offseason, because the NBA Finals are over, the Milwaukee Bucks are your champions, and that's it. 2021 season is over. Just like that. We've got the Olympics that are starting up pretty soon. Uh, The games that count, at least, in group play. Um, You know, we've got other things going on in the basketball world that are not the NBA. So everybody else, uh, you know, enjoy WNBA, Olympics, Big Three getting kicked off. So uh, if you have to satisfy that hunger, then there's plenty of different channels for you to go to. But until then make sure that you follow me and Brian on Twitter at spin Davies and at Brian Fritz. I'm also at Instagram at spin Davies and he's at it's Brian Fritz. Don't forget to basketballnews.com podcast network. Not been that long since we've been alive, but man, we've got 10 different podcasts for you to listen to the Rex Chapman show. They just had Isaiah Thomas as a guest. So make sure you go listen to that. Neat and unfiltered with Kenyon Martin. The Posecast with James Posey. By the way, congratulations to Pose on his job with Virginia. Virginia Tech uh, women's basketball assistant. Congratulations to you, Pose. Dishes and Dines with the ladies. The rematch with Aton Thomas. The Dunker Spot with Nakias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. The Alex Kennedy Podcast. NBA Top Shot Weekly with Alex Kennedy and Oliver Maroney. The Sheridan Show with Chris Sheridan. The Fall through with Clips and Drew. And, of course, your boys right here at Keeping at 94. Make sure you like, rate, subscribe, comment, review, all those things. It's been one hell of a season. Been enjoying, entertaining, and uh, hopefully you have had a good time as well listening. So until next week when the draft is happening, draft happens in eight days as of this recording, you come back and listen to us. Have to hear what we have to say about the draft beforehand. And then we'll obviously cover the fallout. And then before you know it, it'll be free agency time and then summer league. So for now, I'm going to hopefully, you know, kind of kick back and relax a little bit. I'll still be writing. Don't worry. But for my own mental sanity, unplug a little bit. This is what happens when you're in in this space and there's two seasons in under two years. You got to get away from it a little bit. So I think you guys for listening, I think... My man, my right hand man, Brian Fritz for putting up with me. And uh until the NBA draft in a week, everybody enjoy their summer.